0: Welcome to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. I'm June Grosso. Every day we bring you insight and analysis into the most important legal news of the day. You can find more episodes of the Bloomberg Law Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcasts. For two decades, most of the LGBT movement's highest profile victories have come at the Supreme Court, from legalizing gay sex in 2003 to legalizing gay marriage in 2015. But as they say, that was then and this is now. And next year, a more conservative court could deal LGBTQ rights a real blow. Joining me is Steve Sanders, a professor at Indiana University's Mara School of Law. So Steve, the court has decided to accept for next term a trio of cases involving a child welfare worker, a skydiving instructor, and a funeral director. Tell us about the basic issues in the cases under Title VII.
1: Well, as you said in the opening, the big cases where gays and lesbians have achieved the landmark victories at the Supreme Court have been under the Constitution, either under principles of liberty or under equal protection. All three of these cases the Court has accepted for next year involve interpretations of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Title VII, as you said. In 1964, Congress passes a law which prohibits discrimination in employment on the basis of race and on the basis of sex, in addition to a number of other categories. Basically, the question in all of these cases is Does sex include either sexual orientation or gender identity? That is, when a gay or lesbian or transgender person is fired from a job or otherwise uh, subjected to an adverse employment action because of their sexual orientation or because of their gender identity is that encompassed within the meaning of the word sex in Title VII. The argument that it's not essentially stems from the idea in 1964, Congress could not possibly have imagined that it was uh, dealing with issues of sexual orientation or gender identity. It understood itself to be essentially protecting women, against discrimination in the workplace. But two federal courts of appeals that come to the conclusion that Title VII does cover sexual orientation have said, look, basically, if you want to have a relationship with a man, if you are a woman, that's fine in the eyes of your employer. If you're a man, that's not fine. And you could be fired. Well, that's just discrimination on the basis of sex, whether you're a man or a woman. And similarly, um, a case from Kentucky involving a funeral director, a funeral home, a person who was transgender said that they were fired. To me, the idea that gender identity is intertwined with sex does not seem to be a stretch, but we will see what the court decides. These cases are not about the broad principles of equality and liberty in the Constitution. They're really about, um, you know, what do words in federal statutes passed by Congress actually mean.
0: Linguistics. The Supreme Court ruled in 1989 that Title VII prohibits gender stereotyping. So how is sexual orientation different from that?
1: Well, that that's, uh, that insight is, is exactly has been critical to the court cases that have said Title VII encompasses uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. There's a bit of bootstrapping, as you said. There's a a, a, a Price Waterhouse uh, versus Hopkins case. The Supreme Court said that gender stereotypes about gender, stereotypes about what it means to be a man or a woman, how a woman should present herself to the world, what characteristics they have what they're capable of doing in the workplace that those that kind of discrimination is covered by title 7 so that's a critical logical step um, in the reasoning of the courts that have applied Title VII to gays and lesbians and transgender people, I think there are some scholars who actually fear that in taking these cases, the Supreme Court might step back, might pull back from that idea that it announced in the Price Waterhouse case about gender stereotyping, or, it might, or at least might seek to put some limits, some boundaries around the idea of what types of gender stereotypes implicate Title VII.
0: So Steve, gay rights advocates have been meeting some resistance at the Supreme Court even before Justice Kennedy left. How much are these cases likely to be divided, and will the presence of Justice Brett Kavanaugh make a difference? Yeah,
1: I, I, I think that, uh, it, it, you know, I'm not sure that these cases necessarily would have gone in favor of Uh, uh, the gay and lesbian and transgender parties, even with Justice Kennedy. Justice Kennedy tended to be somewhat more conservative when it came to federal statutes, federal uh, civil rights laws, than he was with the the broad malleable language of the Constitution. I think the safe bet, the most likely outcome, is that these will be five to four, with the conservatives, uh, uh, the, the courts' five conservatives joining in the majority to reverse the lower federal courts And I think they'll feel especially free to do that Because they can always make the argument Look, if people want this kind of protection For gender identity, for sexual orientation Talk to your legislators Get Congress to do it um, These laws can be changed These laws are subject to democratic principles Now, it's worth saying that The counter-argument to that is That substantial majorities of Americans Have favored this kind of employment protection Literally since the 19. 19- 90s, but Congress has not yet acted, or at least both houses of Congress together have not yet acted. So it does present the dilemma, what do you do when the court says this isn't what this law means, but um, the representative branch of government that passes laws is also unresponsive to what majority of Americans actually say they want.
0: When Barack Obama was president, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission said sexual orientation discrimination is covered by Title VII. The Trump administration has done a 180 and shifted the government's position. Does that affect the cases at all?
1: Um, Well, if if the Supreme Court uh, uh, interprets Title VII as not encompassing sexual orientation or gender identity, then the EEOC will have to adjust its understanding as well. The Supreme Court's, until Congress uh, does something different, the Supreme Court's interpretation of Title VII will control. um, You know, the, the EEOC is the agency that has expertise on employment discrimination. One hopes that the court would at least consider the EEOC EEOC's views and consider the EEOC's analysis. But at the end of the day, the EEOC's views might be persuasive, um, but they're certainly not binding on the federal courts and certainly not binding on the Supreme Court.
0: It won't be the first time that the Trump administration has had two different views at the Supreme Court or at other courts. No,
1: that's right. It's interesting that, you know, President Trump has been sort of touting on Twitter his support, uh, wishing people Happy Pride Month and so forth. Yet, as you point out, his Justice Department uh, 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 has taken positions in these cases that are actually uh, go against the interests of gays and lesbians and transgender people and presumably will do so at the Supreme Court as well.
0: Well, thanks so much, Steve, for those insights. That's Steve Sanders, a professor at Indiana University's Mara School of Law. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg Law Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on Bloomberg.com podcast. I'm June Grosso. This is Bloomberg.